Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. Welcome again to RUF. I'm so glad to be here with you tonight. And, um, you know, Taylor said earlier, RUF is for believers and those that don't believe, uh, skeptics. If you have questions about Christianity, this is a great place to explore Christian faith. And uh, it's a great place to grow and serve and join us as we seek to reach more of the campus. And uh, no matter who you are and where you are on your journey, uh, we want this to be a place for you to belong. And uh, if you've been coming, then you know we've been doing this series where we go through, uh, I've just been going through the books of the Bible in order and picking a main passage from each to kind of lead us on a big tour of the Bible. And we are um, getting to the book of Judges tonight. And so far what we've seen is that uh, scripture, the Bible is a big story and there's a message to it. And the message is that God is the king. He's the creator king. Uh, He's bound himself to his people and his world. And in spite of humanity's rebellion and rejection of him, uh, because he made them, because he loves them, he will not stop pursuing his people. He will not stop extending his goodness to the whole earth. And because of that, what we've seen is, you know, Life is meant to be lived in submission to him, listening to him. He's the one who knows what life is about. He's the one who tells us how to live. And because he's made us his people, drawn us to himself, pursued us uh, with his grace, uh, we are to respond uh, with faithfulness to him. And uh, I want you to contrast that with what do you think the message of our culture is? What are the messages you hear. And I want to suggest to you that there is a message of our culture, and the message is just do whatever you want. Right? Sometimes that's uh, called follow your heart. Uh, but this message is everywhere. They're like, do you do whatever you want? This message is subtly and not subtly everywhere you go. And you probably hear it so many times and don't even notice it. It's so much. A part of our culture. I'll just give you a few examples. For instance, uh, what's the most popular Disney movie of all time? Frozen. What's the song from Frozen? Uh, Let it go, right? No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Let it go. Let it go, right? Um, And we don't talk about Bruno has knocked that song off from Encanto for being the most popular Disney song ever. So... Uh, right, but no right, no rules for me. I'm free. Let it go. Our kids watch that. Um, Outback Steakhouse. Some advertisements. Outback Steakhouse. You know what their slogan is? No rules, just right. <laughs> Time Warner Cable. The power of you. Uh, here's one. This is on March Madness. Has like the same commercials all the time. This is one for TJ Maxx. It's been on a lot during the basketball tournament, and it's like energy pump. You know, music high energy music, and then there's this woman who comes on and she goes, who do you think you are? Canceling plans, commanding a room, being your own biggest fan? Who said you could do that? 
take up space, make a scene, indulge yourself? Who said you could say no? Emphatically, unapologetically, no to settling, no to compromising, yes to getting all of the above and doing only what you want to do? Who? No, really, tell us. Who do you think you are? Oh, that's right. You're you. Okay. It's intense, right? TJ Maxx. I mean, um, you know, other times it's even more overt. Uh, for instance, Miley Cyrus. It's, this is our party. We can do what we want. We can say what we want. We can love who we want. We can kiss who we want. We can screw who we want. Popular song. Uh, or it could just be the t-shirt that I saw the other day on someone that just said, be you, do you, for you. And then, you know, those sound kind of like empowering messages. And we hear them all the time. Uh, and I want to suggest to you that those are evil messages. That those, this, those messages are everywhere. Follow your heart. Don't listen to anyone. Just listen to yourself. Do it your way, whatever form it takes. And that do what you want message in whatever form you find it in is the root of all the evil in our world, the source of all pain in our world. And the fact that we hear it so much and don't even really notice it is a really big deal. It's a really big problem because it's the same message that we heard a few weeks ago in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve in the garden. Remember that? Where the message was essentially, God said don't eat that. Do what you want though. You know, who's God think he is telling you you know, he won't let you eat of this tree. Who is he? Why would he do that? Do what you want. Okay, and what we saw is that everything fell apart from there, right? Everything got sad after that. And, you know, we're looking at the book of Judges tonight. And just to give you a background on Judges, Taylor led us great last time uh, through the book of Joshua, which is about the conquest of the promised land. It's about God's people moving into the land that he chose for them so that they could extend his goodness to the world around them. It's the perfect place for them to thrive as his people. And he wanted them to be faithful. And and, and judges, they're in the land. (laughs) And, um, you know, they're in the land. That's good. They made it into this land that God had promised to them, but uh, they haven't completed the mission fully. They didn't do a good job of driving out the people in the land, which is what they were supposed to do. And so that's bad. And so the book of Judges that we're going to look at tonight has all these cycles of sin and salvation where God's people turn from him. You know, they start to kind of be like the nations around them and worship the other gods. And then uh, things get really bad for them. They get conquered or something. And then each time God appoints a judge, which is like a leader in this context, uh, to rescue them to save them uh, because God loves his people. And there's all these cycles of sin and salvation in the book of Judges. And and there's this refrain that appears often in Judges, which is, and there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. In other words, Judges is, the book of Judges is what happens when a whole society embraces you, do you? Uh, So before I read the text, I'll just warn you, this is a horrible text like uh it's really hard to read uh if it's your first time at ruf i'm sorry this is not the kind of text we normally look at but um it it, everyone agrees this is probably the worst story in the whole bible if you know a lot of stories in the bible are rated r this one surpasses any rating you could ever think of it's that awful um and you know 
I want, so I want to warn you if, if this is uncomfortable or you, know, you want to take a break or leave, I won't be offended. And I want us to read it remembering that God hates sin. God hates it when people hurt each other. So God doesn't like it. That's the clearest thing in the Bible is that God doesn't like it. And also, the Bible is a big story about God making everything sad come untrue. Uh, so this is an example of something really sad. And God is about making sad things go away forever, making everything wrong right. And so with that in mind, I'll read it for us and kind of talk us through it a little bit. So it's kind of long, so I'll break it up. But um, here's what it says. It says, in those days when there was no king in Israel, a certain Levite was sojourning in the remote parts of the hill country of Ephraim, who took to himself a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah. Okay, so Levite. A Levite is like a pastor. So think like Lucas, uh, a religious professional, uh, someone who you wouldn't think have a concubine. Which, and a concubine is like a second-class wife, sex object, uh, essentially. Uh, so it's someone you know, horribly treated by men, uh, but kind of viewed as property. Okay, verse 2. And his concubine was unfaithful to him, and she went away from him to her father's house at Bethlehem in Judah, and was there some four months. Uh, so Ephraim's in the north, Bethlehem's in the south, so she goes home uh, after she's unfaithful to him, and he uh, heads down that way, starting in verse 3. Uh, then her husband arose and went after her to speak kindly to her and to bring her back. He had with him his servant and a couple of donkeys, and she brought him into her father's house. And when the girl's father saw him, he came with joy to meet him. Uh, so this guy goes to get his girl back and down in Bethlehem, and he stays for a few days, and he's, convincing her, he's trying to convince her to come back with him. Now skip ahead to verse 14. Uh, he gets her, after being delayed a while, they, he gets her to come with him. And in verse 14 it says, So they passed on and went their way. And the sun went down on them near Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin. And they turned aside there to go in and spend the night at Gibeah. And he went in and sat down in this open square of the city, for no one took them into his house to spend the night. Okay, so Gibeah is an Israelite town. So these are his people, you know, like same country. And normally you would go to the town square if you needed a place to stay, hoping there would be someone friendly there who would be like, yeah, you can come stay with me. Uh, And so he's looking for someone to take him in. Uh, Verse 16. And behold, an old man was coming from his work in the field at evening. The man from the hill country was uh, from the hill country of Ephraim, and he was sojourning in Gibeah. The men of the place were Benjaminites, and he lifted up his eyes and saw the traveler in the open square of the city. And the old man said, "Where are you going? And where do you come from?" And he said to him, "We are passing from Bethlehem and Judah to the remote parts of the hill country of Ephraim, from which I come. I went to Bethlehem and Judah, and I am going to the house of the Lord, but no one has taken me into his house." We have straw and feed for our donkeys with bread and wine for me and your female servant and the young man with your servants. There is no lack of anything. And the old man said, peace be to you. I will care for all your wants. Only do not spend the night in the square. So he brought him into his house and gave the donkeys feed and they washed their feet and ate and drank. Uh, So the old man's like, all right, you can crash in my place, but don't stay in the square. Something ominous about the square. Uh, and so uh, as they were making their hearts merry, verse 22, behold, the men of the city, worthless fellows, surrounded the house, beating on the door. And they said to the old man, the master of the house, bring out the man who came into your house that we may know him. Uh, what they mean by that we may know him is that we may have sex with him. 
Uh, so there's a crowd of angry men, and they're out there demanding that this guy be brought out so they can gang rape him. And the man, the master of the house, verse 23, went out to them and said to them, No, my brothers, do not act so wickedly, since this man has come into my house, and do not do this vile thing. Behold, here are my virgin daughter and his concubine. Let me bring them out now. Violate them and do with them what seems good to you. But against this man, do not do this outrageous thing. I uh, don't really have a category for how awful that is. Uh, he essentially is like, don't hurt us. Take my daughter, his concubine, uh, showing that the Levite and the old man are really bad too. Uh, Verse 25, but the men would not listen to him. So the man seized his concubine and made her go out to them. And they knew her and abused her all night until the morning. And as the dawn began to break, they let her go. Uh, Again, just unspeakable awfulness. uh, One of the darkest things that's ever happened in the history of the world. Verse 26, and as morning appeared, the woman came and fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was until it was light. And her master rose up in the morning when he opened the doors of the house and went out to go on his way. Behold, there was his concubine lying at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. He said to her, get up, let us be going. But there was no answer. Uh, The callousness with which he treats this woman is similarly despicable, right? Uh, She has lost her life and he does not seem to care. Uh, continuing on that verse 28, then he put her on the donkey and the man rose up and went away to his home. And when he entered his house, he took a knife and taking hold of his concubine, he divided her limb by limb into 12 pieces and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. Um, Again, awful. And what I want you to see is he's not doing this because he's outraged at like the immorality. He's doing it because he's mad he lost his property, this woman. He's mad he's lost his concubine. In verse 30, And all who saw it said, Such a thing has never happened or been seen from the day that the people of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, take counsel, and speak. And then a civil war breaks out. Uh, The tribe of Benjamin, the ones that were there in Gibeah, uh, everyone else just wants to kill all these guys because of what happened there. And Thousands of Israelites die in this civil war, uh, and there's no real, like, conclusion. There's just, like, you know, there's no resolution. And then the book of Judges ends with, I have the last verse there, verse 21, 25, and it just says, again, uh, there was no king. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Okay, let me pray for us before we go on. Uh, Father, help us now with this word. Um, We thank you that your word makes sense of our life in this world. Uh, We know that this is a particularly challenging part of it, and so we pray that you'd send your spirit to help us uh, and give us understanding and change us by it, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so what happens when everyone just does what they want? Uh, this text tells us what happens. And the reason we know that is because it starts and ends with the same thing, saying the same thing at the beginning of chapter 19 and at the end of chapter 21. There was no king 
in Israel. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Um, What it means that there's no king is that there's no moral authority. There's no one who finally decides what is right and what is wrong. Okay, so everyone just does what they want. And the result of it, as we can see in this text and others in the book of Judges, is that everything gets bad fast. Everything is really bad. So much so that in verse 24, you find a man just saying like, oh yeah, just do with her whatever seems good to you. And what seems good to them is really bad. Okay, so there's no moral authority and everyone's just doing what they want. And what I want to show to you tonight, and what I hope hope I'm already showing to you tonight, is that is the root, when there's no one who says this is right and this is wrong, uh, this is true and this is not, that that's the root of everything awful in our world. So I want to look into text first and look at, you know, what happens when there's no king, when there's no moral authority, no one who decides what's right and what's wrong. And there's just a bunch of things in here, like even religious leaders become bad like the levite should be the one doing things right and he has a concubine and he treats her horribly Uh, women are horribly mistreated in this world right the concubine seems to have a horrible life even before this incident Um, parents don't seem to care about children did you notice how her father was like yeah take back my daughter as your concubine please please take her back uh, be, let her be your second-class wife. Um, not to mention all kinds of violence, you know. Uh, from, like, this is an Israelite town, so God's people, and an Israelite, the Levite, comes in, should belong there, and yet it's not even safe at night in the square for him. Uh, even in his own country, and uh, in this story, people demand sex from whomever they want, Uh, The pursuit of pleasure reigns over all else, and definitely over the needs and feelings of people. Uh, People sacrifice the weak to protect themselves, again, devaluing life at every turn. Uh, People are deeply uncaring about the well-being of others, as we see in numerous places in this story. And there's just this callousness, too, right? Like, this stuff is happening, and... You know, just throw her out there and we'll be in here doing our thing. And very intentionally, the author of Judges is making this story similar to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis chapter 19. If you don't know that story, you know, Sodom is known as the most evil city in the history of the world. And a similar thing happens where visitors come and people show up at the door demanding to have sex with them. And in that story, God just rains fire on them for their wickedness. Okay, they're pagans. They're not Israel. You know, they're they're not God's people at all. And God destroys them. And yet in this story, it's God's God's people have become Sodom. Uh, They've become the place that just exemplifies like the worst of humanity. Um, And that's what God's people have become. Uh, Why? Because there's no king. There's no one who decides what's right for the people. No one pushing the people to obey. And everyone just does what they want. Uh, I want you to think about how this might work out today because we live in a similar time and um, there's a lot, that message of do whatever you want is definitely present. And we see it today in all kinds of ways. For instance, uh, people that have power tend to keep it and exploit it. 
all kinds of ways. Yukon, this is just like everywhere. Like sexual assault is a big problem at Yukon. It's big news at Yukon. There's a problem with it here. Uh, that you know, I've been here a long time. I've been here 11 years now, and it's just like every it, it doesn't stop. Like it keeps going every year. There's just these incidents, and there's outrage. And um, but I want to suggest to you, you know, it's awful. But if there's no God, what's the basis by which you can tell someone that sexual assault is awful? Uh, because the strong caring for the weak is only a biblical idea. You will not find that, that idea anywhere, that the strong are obligated to care for the weak. That isn't pre- and if it is present, it's because it came from the Bible. There's no other source, you know, because nature, it's not in nature. In nature, like those strong abuse the weak. Okay, so it's only a biblical idea. Yukon also has a racism problem. I don't know if you've been following that uh, again and again, there's just people like writing racial slurs places and calling people racial slurs and keeps happening and all racism comes from the idea of you know i want to get ahead and if i have to push other people down to get there i will because i want to i want to prop myself up i don't care if it's a whole like group of people i'll push them down so i can be up Uh, vladimir putin is sacrificing his own people while he bombs children why is he doing that I think it's because he thinks it's good. I think it's because he wants to. Okay, we, uh, Taylor and Sophie and I went to the vigil for Ukraine yes, the other day, whenever that was, and we heard awful stories about, you know, not just what's happening in Ukraine now, but what has happened in Ukraine in the 20th century, and it's sickening. Uh, so this stuff is all around us in our world, and we ought to be regularly repulsed by the stories we hear and the horrible things that we see ourselves, but... If you don't like that stuff, you need to be asking yourself, am I submitting my life to the king? Or am I really kind of just doing whatever I want to and I look a little better because I'm not like bombing children and sexually assaulting people and writing racial slurs on people's doors? Do you ever just disregard what God says and do what's right in your own eyes or feels good or feels easier? And the sad truth for us is that whenever we weigh God's word against what we want and we choose what we want, instead of what God wants, we're actually actively contributing to a world becoming sad and broken. Uh, We have the same roots, the same sinful roots as people in this story. And that's when, so when Jesus came, you know, like Jesus had the most conflict with who? The religious leaders. And the reason he had conflict with the religious leaders was because he was telling them, like, you have the same roots of sin of the people that you look down upon. It just, you know, it takes a different form, but it's in your heart, you know. And he, in the Sermon on the Mount, for instance, compares anger and murder. And he says, uh, it doesn't matter if you never murdered someone because if you're angry, that's the root. And the root is what needs to be rooted out. Um, and so when Jesus comes, you know, he comes as the true king. The Sermon on the Mount is about the kingdom of God and what it's like. And he comes as the true king to make his world right. He wants all this bad stuff to be gone forever. And so his message, the first thing he ever says, like in his ministry is, the kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Uh, He's like, I'm here. 
I'm going to set everything right. And you guys need to join up with me uh, because since the time of the judges, so for a thousand years or more waiting, uh, Israel, God's people have needed a king, a good king who can lead them in what's right. Uh, Our world desperately needs a king, someone to say, this is the way, this is what's right. Uh, So what does it mean that Jesus is the king and that his kingdom is at hand, that it's come? Uh, It's really good news. Uh, He actually, first of all, has the authority to decide. Like, he knows what's right because he made our world. So he can tell you, this is exactly how it's supposed to go. His word gives us that, and he shows us by his very own character. You know, you want to know what's right? Look at how Jesus lived. That'll show you. Look at how much he cared. Look at how opposite of the Levite Jesus is. Uh, Jesus, similarly, doesn't use his power to prop himself up and keep everyone else down. He actually does the exact opposite because Jesus, he's God. He's the eternal God. He's up, 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 up. And he comes down, down, down. He comes poor. He comes to the lowest of the low. And he comes to hang out with the lowest of the low. Uh, He gives up everything uh, to save his people. And he comes as our substitute. You know, there's a substitute in this story. It's the concubine. You know, there's a man here who's like, if there's an angry angry mob here and I'm going to die if I go out there, how can I get out of it? Oh, yeah, I can send her out instead of me. Okay, she was an unwilling substitute. She was forced out. Jesus comes as a willing substitute for people whose hearts are like the Levite. Uh, And the mob that came for Jesus was just as angry and they actually tore him apart. Listen to what one writer wrote about that. He said, rather than throwing his bride to the murderous mob, Jesus will sacrifice himself for her sake. Beneath a sky that's scoured of its light, his body will be the one torn and pierced. Unlike that Levite who once lightly surrendered his concubine to the grave, this bridegroom will wrest his bride from its grasp. Where once a murder spelled the doom of his people, his life-giving will spell its restoration from the dead. Okay, the gospel, the good news that's in the Bible and that this text pushes us towards is this. Uh, You and I have more in common with the men of Gibeah than we would ever like to admit. We just do. The root, you know, our lives, I'm sure, all look better than theirs, but uh, the same roots are there. Uh, And your life and my life are a shadow of what they were meant to be. And the reason is because we've turned from God. We've gone our own way. We've made our own rules instead of abiding by his rules and having him be the king of our life. And when we live like that, we're actively making the world a worse place. But God still wants you. In Judges is book seven of 66. In a story about God relentlessly pursuing sinners so that he can be their good king forever and so that life can be what it was always meant to be and to save us from a world that looks like Judges chapter 19. 
Okay, the gospel is that you should be God's enemy, but you're not. Instead, he wants to transform you through the riches of his grace toward those who have rejected him. When I think of transformation by grace, I think of the be- what I think is the best story ever written, which is Les Miserables, Les Mis. Maybe you've read the book, seen the movies, gone to the musical. Uh, if you know that story, uh, the main character in the beginning is named Jean Valjean. He is a hardened man. He is a criminal. He is an escaped convict, and he is mad at the world, and he's an angry man, dangerous man, and he's on the run, and he gets taken in by a priest. And the priest is very kind to him, gives him a place, you know, gives him a bed to sleep on and gets him cleaned up, and he's just living the life over there at the priest's house, except in the middle of the night, He wakes up and decides to head on his way and to steal from the priest who helped him on his way out. So he steals all this silverware on his way out. And so he's on the run, back on the run, fugitive from the law with this bag of silverware, and he gets caught by the police. And the police, it's obvious that he's a criminal, and he's got all this valuable silver on him, so they know it's stolen. And so they're about to ship him off to, I don't know, prison for life or death. When the priest comes up and he says, oh, there you are. And he pulls out some silver candlesticks and he says, you forgot the candlesticks. And the cops are like, you gave this man this silver? And he's like, yeah, I gave him the silver. Okay, good. You have the candlesticks now. Go on your way. And it literally changes Jean Valjean's life. He becomes a totally different person from then on. The transformation is incredible because what he should have gotten was death and he got life. He got a whole new life. I want you to consider your own heart for a minute. The things you live for the things, the, the ways you want life to go that are not the way God wants them to go. And then I want you to consider the God who became a man so he could be torn apart to save you. Uh, if that is your story, you need to give your life away. You need to give it to Jesus first as your king, but uh, then you need to give your life away in service to the people around you as he calls you to, uh, to treat others the way they were meant to be treated the right way uh, to use your power for good instead of propping yourself up and, for the, and using it for the good of others uh, to extend God's light into the darkness of the world. Because it is a dark, dark world, especially apart from God. But God's come. He's fixing it. And you can be part of the story too. Uh, let me close in prayer and we'll sing our last song. Uh, Heavenly Father, we... Uh, pray that you would be at work to fight back the darkness of our world and make things right. Uh, We pray that you'd be at work in our hearts to remove the darkness in each of them and bring light and make us people that are not callous and uncaring, uh, but life-giving people, people that restore others. Uh, We pray Uh, for your healing hand on our lives and our world. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.